Hey, what's up? It's episode 108, Pain Points of Wealth, the last episode of the year. And let's face it, everything's interesting until the end of the year. Markets are extremely volatile. They're not letting up. We have the most volatility since 2008. Are we going to recession next year? The debate continues as labor continues to be strong. The Fed keeps talking tough when it comes to Fed policy. And the big question is, what are earnings going to look like next year? We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about positioning your portfolio for the new year ahead. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about what financial products would you want in your stocking this Christmas and what financial products you definitely want to do without. Check it out. We're going to end the year with a bang. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Well, speaking, speaking of financial products... Uh, Dad, I actually got Ryan his favorite thing for Christmas this year. I got him a variable annuity for his stocking stuffer. A variable annuity. Good. I hope it comes with lots of costs, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know, I don't make anything on it. I'm set for life. You got me a product that's not guaranteed. That's uh, triple the expenses of a normal investment product. So I can just quit working today and finally uh, buy that yacht. Thanks, Chris. You're the best brother in the world. Well, there w I wouldn't notice the difference if you quit working today. I'm just saying. But let's, guys, let's face it. Um, this year has been brutal. There's no getting around it. Um, I saw a stat the other day that 87% of the trading days of this year, the markets moved more than 1% in every trading session. The last time we saw that was almost over 12 years ago was during 2008, the grand financial crisis. So we're seeing the kind of market action we saw during one of the worst years ever in the history of stock markets, like of all time. Well, we're, we're having one of the worst days ever um, in the market uh, with that volatility. Right, we're down more like two percent, four percent on the Nasdaq. It's um, it's it's like it's panic buying or panic selling every day. We went from up five hundred points one day to down seven hundred points the next day. Uh, I would say that's extreme volatility. Well, you know what the funny thing is? It's like if you really just move past all that stuff and you look at stuff like the price of gas uh, has come down substantially, bond yields are starting to come down. I mean, it seems to me that inflation is coming down, which is going to be good for the market. It, it, it might be and be good for the economy. Um, but remember, short term, your guess is as good as mine to some extent. I mean, we, we talked about, remember back in 2018, we had this horrible sell-off at the end of the year. In fact, the market went down like 18%. I remember on Christmas Eve, fielding phone calls. It was the it was a big bummer hitting <laughs> those phone calls. And everyone says it's because the Fed was going to raise interest rates. Meanwhile, the Fed had already let you know kind of November that they weren't going to raise interest rates. It was just fear, you know, panic begetting panic. And as we're recording this, I think you're getting some of that at the end of the year. But at the end of the day, we're in a diversified portfolio. Maybe you're down over a little bit over 10% for the year, 12, 13%. That's that's a stock market correction, right? I mean, it's not like back when the great financial crisis where you saw portfolios down 30%, 40 in some cases, 60%. So a lot of volatility, but the actual da damage that's been done, except in some areas of the market, hasn't been like horrific. So, you know, guys, this really interesting conversation I had with a client of mine this week. Um, he and his wife own a construction business, and they work specifically in the, the commercial space. And one of the things he told me is that a lot of his clients – they're starting to bring their people back into the office. They just found that they haven't been productive working from home. 
So they're getting a ton of business, renovating office spaces, um, you know, expanding what their footprint is. So it's kind of interesting to see people are starting to go back to the office now. Well, that's a big deal because productivity has been down a lot this year, right? And I think a lot of it is because people maybe aren't as productive as home as we thought they were. You know, maybe they are doing other things and they should be working. Uh, I can't imagine, you know, Bob, that Chris is actually doing his work when he's home all day. If he's probably just looking at sailing videos um, and, you know, going out for lattes. I can't imagine he's actually in front of his computer doing work. Well, you know, what's funny about that. I noticed that out of the three of us, Dad, you and I are dressed like we're in the office and dressing professionally, whereas somebody else, I'm not going to mention any names, is dressed up in a hoodie. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he, he thinks he's uh, he's trying out for that that show Billions, right? So, you know, he's he got to be a hedge fund guy walking around with a really cool uh, duds on. So, he, you know, he can't, can't look like somebody who's professional, for crying out loud. Ryan Axelrod. Um, yeah, that's it. Bobby Axelrod, right? At least I got the right name, Bobby, uh, for me. So, you know, guys, I, I mean, I, I was speaking to a client today who's in the construction industry, and, and they're laying off because new housing is, is slowed down dramatically. Uh, interest rates are rising. New home sales are down, what, seven months in a row. So the Fed's having a dramatic impact on the housing market. Um, but, you know, one economist was talking about the other day, he says, yeah, they're starting to lay people off, especially in technology. But, you know, the the pool of, of eligible employees has really been kind of thin the last couple of years. And they're actually starting to think that as they lay off some of these folks, that they're laying off the least productive employees and that productivity will actually go up. And, you know, what I've seen a lot of downturns in my career is that uh, corporations are very quick, you know, to cut overhead, to cut expenses, you know, to increase the bottom line productivity going. Yeah. Well, you're seeing that, right? You're seeing, and we saw that with FedEx at earnings this week, and they're able to cut another billion dollars unexpectedly. And of course, the stock went higher. So it's a great point. It's like these CEOs and CFOs, they're great financial engineers, right? They understand how to rewrite their businesses very quickly. And they're able to basically beat out on expectations. And I think that's what you're going to see next year is, you know, we've already revised to a, a world of slower growth. We know that's going to happen. It's not a surprise. But the question is, are the analysts and the strategists going to overshoot on their projections on the downside? They probably are. You know, and that's the game that CEOs love to play. They love, And I have a client who was a former CEO of a wind energy company over in Europe. And he said, I used to love to play that game. You know, they just like they would downplay their expectations. And then they would beat, of course, the expectations that they set every quarter. And I think you're setting that up for next year. That you know you'll see surprises in the positive, but then again, productivity gets better because you get rid of workers that aren't doing well. You force people back in the office, and then the other thing that I've been arguing is China's going to come back online. China's the second largest economy in the world. They're going to consume a lot of energy next year. A lot of they love automobiles, goods. They're going to go on vacation. That's going to benefit the global economy, and nobody's talking about that. Yeah, you know that's the whole thing, right? It's like I, you know, I was in New York. Uh, visiting you and, and my grandson last week. And, uh, you know, people are still wearing masks. And, you know, I, I've had medical appointments since I've been back up here and, and they require you to wear masks in New Jersey. Um, but, you know, it doesn't seem like, you know, COVID is the problem that it was. It's obviously not slowing us down. Our co economy did reopen. So it's it's almost as if, well, okay, yeah, our economy reopened, but China, they can't reopen, you know, because it's COVID. <laughs> well, yeah, they're going to recover. You know, it's just a matter of time. We don't know when. Um, but meanwhile, you know, you have a billion four, uh, you have a population, you know, with India, not too far away, you know, closing in on China in terms of their population. There's, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. And even though the economy is slowing down, 
got to remember, you know, we're at an all-time record high in global GDP, and it's probably going to add somewhere between two and four trillion next year, regardless yeah. of you know the slowdown. That's exactly right. So, like I said, slow growth is better than no growth. Um, and China's probably going to grow at like four and a half percent next year. But like, you have to think about is everyone benefits from that, right? If you're FedEx, you benefit from that because then they do trade with China. They're going to do deliveries in China. That's volume that they're going to get back. Nike, they uh, beat on expectations this past week. They're going to sell more shoes in China as their economy picks up. I mean, every single company around the world globally uh, that has a multinational footprint benefits. If you're in Germany, you're going to sell more cars into China. So it, it's really about the global economy. And it's huge. And I think it's just getting less press than it should be because that's going to be a huge driver and a surprise in the positive that nobody's talking about. Yeah. And let's not forget, it's a cheap buy. Hey. <laughs> That's true. I like cheap. Yep, their 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 PE ratios are low, their dividend yields are high uh, relative to the U.S. But you know, here's the other thing, guys. You know, we got to look. We're looking forward to next year. This is our last podcast of 2022. Uh, let's take a look at history, right? If you look over the last hundred years, 75, almost 76 percent of those years were positive. You know, on the market, on the stock market, at least only 25 percent were down. That means. In, over a four-year period, you're going to have one stinker and three good years. So let's hope 2022 is our stinker, right? You also have the bond markets down this year for the first time in a long time, one of the worst bond markets in history um, in terms of total return. Um, you've never in history have had back-to-back -back consecutive years where a balanced portfolio, portfolio of stocks and bonds was down two years in a row. So you can't look at you know, what's happening right now and say, oh my goodness, you know, it's a, a volatility is getting to me now. I finally can't take it anymore. Let me move to the sidelines. You know, you really got to stay the course, rebalance your portfolio, stick to the strategy. You know, let's, let's face it, 2022 is a stinker. Let's say 2023, I think that might be a winner. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 108, Pain Points of Wealth. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we think about, eat, sleep, and breathe every single day. But if you're thinking to yourself, you want a more hands-on approach with your finances, and you want someone to look at your portfolio, your financial plan, and you've saved over a million dollars, every week, Bob, Chris, and I will run for you a total financial master plan. We'll do it with no obligation or cost if you qualify and you've saved over a million dollars. We literally will go through your whole portfolio. In fact, we'll build you your own personalized financial portal get a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and we'll hone in on every issue you need to address today. Is it a savings plan for retirement? How do you optimize on building your portfolio long-term? Or is it an income plan for retirement? How do you draw from your portfolio, take Social Security, and draw from your portfolio without running out of money? We're going to look at diversification. Did you get hit hard this year because markets are volatile? Is your portfolio improperly allocated? Or are you just sitting with way too much money in cash earning nothing as inflation is a 40-year high. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost products that have lots of fees and tax inefficient. And those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, brokerage products, structured products. We're going to show you how to reduce all the costs on your portfolio, specifically those hidden costs, and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we 
pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. That's having the biggest impact on your financial life right now. And Bob and Chris, since the holiday season's upon us, and I thought we could maybe do something a little more holiday-oriented. <clears throat> I thought we could talk about financial stocking stuffers. Say that three times fast. And you know, <laughs> I know mom used to put like uh, lots of little goodies into our stockings when we were kids. But I want to talk about different financial products that you'd like to see in your stocking or maybe not. And the first one is, when we talk about a lot on this show, is would you like to wake up on Christmas morning and have an annuity in your stocking? Well, I can tell you something in the Payne family, waking up to an annuity in your stocking is tantamount to getting cold. Absolutely, Chris. I think that's uh, that's perfectly said because, hey, look, it, it's a product, right? You can't just say, you know, all bonds are bad, all mutual funds are bad, all stocks are bad, you know, all annuities are bad. You know, there's there are annuities that are bought and there are annuities that are sold. And there's billions of dollars going into annuities every year. Uh, most of those are sold. And, you know, you have very low cost annuities, you have high cost annuities. And chances are, if you looked in your stocking and you had an annuity that was sold to you by an annuity salesperson, uh, you've got one of the high cost annuities. And it's really difficult for you to get a positive return of that over time. Yeah, it's so important that you look at the, the internal costs. And we do a lot of these analysis every single week. And it just blows my mind, right? When you start looking into a lot of these products that Wall Street, as we say, loves to sell you, um, is just between maybe there's a management fee on your portfolio. You know, maybe the products that they're selling, whether they're annuities, you're paying another 2% in management fees. And then they have some sort of like mortality expense, another 0.25%, and it all adds up. And man, oh man, that becomes huge fees over the life of your investment portfolio that's going to some financial company and not in your pocket that you can live off of. And I mean, we're talking big numbers when you talk 10 years, 20 years. And a lot of times, if you really look at these products at the end of the day, if you look at what it's going to pay out for how long, chances are you're just going to get your money back from the premium that you initially paid. Yeah, they usually pay your own money back as return. I mean, that's, uh, wow, that's terrific. You know, I'm getting my own money back and I'm, I'm supposed to be excited about that. But I just had a client call me complain about an annuity that were, they were sold to her um, long before I met her. And we just decided to annuitize it because uh, it's not growing. Um, and she said, wait a minute, I'm going to get taxable income from this investment. I had already paid tax on the money my husband and I worked hard to earn. Uh, so we put it into it in, in, in a product where now we're drawing it out. We'll have to pay tax again. I think that's something the annuity salesman don't do a good job of explaining that you're taking dollars that have already been taxed, putting it into an investment where it's going to grow, maybe not at all or slowly. And when you withdraw it, you're going to be paying tax again. Um, you know, I'd rather have municipal bonds. And I agreed with her. You know what, Dad? I, I used to, we used to say that annuities were the best of three. The broker got paid. The insurance company got paid. The client didn't. <laughs> but two out of three ain't bad. It's actually the best of four. The the salesman gets paid, the insurance company paid, the government gets paid, but the client doesn't. So there you, know, you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of hands in that pie, Chris. Yeah. But I think we all agree that uh, that's, that's, you know, we don't want any coal in our stocking, uh, you know, on Christmas Day. And I certainly don't want an annuity. Another investment I think is timely right now. Would you like to wake up on Christmas morning and find a Tesla stock? or certificates for Tesla stock in your stocking? Well, that depends. Can I go back five years? <laughs> well, the stock is, I think it's an interesting one because the stock is down 70% this year. Um, it still trades relatively high in terms of the valuation. And the competition now, you know, for other car companies making their own electric vehicles is pretty stiff. So I think this is one of those things where creative destruction 
you know, whatever was the hottest place to be, whatever did the best over the last couple of years is going to have a lot of time, a lot of trouble repeating that over the next decade. And I think a lot of investors right now in Tesla stock are feeling that pain. Yeah, they certainly are. And it's, um, you know, I was out with a client the other night who owns a Tesla and I, I you know, I said, where's your car? <laughs> well, it's been in a shop now for three months. Evidently, it's really hard to get parts for Tesla. I didn't realize that. But, you know, let's face it, you have, you know, all these other car companies, you know, Porsche and Mercedes and Toyota, General Motors and Ford, they're all coming out with electric vehicles. So, you know, they're no longer you know, are going to be the dominant company making EVs. And it's, uh, you know, at the same time, those stocks are selling in single, single digit price earnings ratios. And Tesla still, I don't even know if they have a PE ratio. Do they make any money yet? They do. They trade about 30 times. That's after being down 70%, not to get wonky. The point is still very expensive compared to just other traditional automakers. So I think I think the bottom line is here, I don't think I want that in my stocking. And number two, if you're an investor right now, you know, you can't invest in what was great the last 10 years. You know, we say this on the show a lot, but it's such a critical point is economic conditions, dynamics within the market are always changing. And that's why, you know, you have to spread your risk out and you got to look to the future and the future is not going to look like the past in the stock market. And that's where diversification is critical. You know, I do have to mention one thing. The one good thing about it is that you could use it to harvest losses. Good point. Hey, Rye, uh, how about uh, waking up on Christmas Day and and you have uh, the S&P 500 index in your in your stocking? That's That's been a pretty good investment. I wouldn't be happy with that either, Bob, because it's not really diversification over 500 companies. Again, you're getting a big concentration because of the capitalization weighting in technology, communication services, in consumer discretionary, which makes up over 40% of the index. And another way of saying that is it's all the mega cap stocks that aren't doing well right now. And unless you want to bet the house, again, on the same stocks doing well in the future, you know the S&P 500 might not be the best place to be the next decade like it was the last decade. A lot of investors are going to make that mistake. Yeah, I have to agree with you. It's a, you know, a lot of, that's one of the benefits though, of having index funds is they are capitalization weighted. But when you have you know, the S&P 500, it's been dominated by growth. And I think a lot of folks are probably scratching their head right now. It's like, why is it underperforming um, when it's, you know, the market? Well, it isn't the market. The market, if you look at the uh, the total global stock market, there's 10,000 companies you can invest in. You really don't want to limit yourself to 500, especially where they're only going to give you a weighting of maybe the top five or 10. Um, it's almost like you always say, right? It's like having a tech fund in drag. So in other words, it's kind of like you have too many people on one side of the boat. Eventually that boat's going to capsize. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I think that's what you're seeing now too. It's just a lot of investors that were doubling down on those positions. Like a Tesla is a good example. Even Bitcoin, I'm always, I'm hearing a lot of people say, hey, it's 16,000. It has to be a good buy. But does it? <laughs> you know, I don't think investors realize how far these things can fall and how long they can stay out of favor. So You've got to reposition for the future. All right, guys, what if we had a big portfolio of tax-free bonds when we woke up on Christmas morning in our stocking? Would this make us happy or would you be disappointed? Well, I'll tell you, that would just put a big smile on my face because when you look at the bond market, right, we always talk about bonds are basically loans you know, to institutions. I taught you guys from birth, don't lend to your friends, don't lend to your brother-in-law, don't, you know, don't lend uh, to your cousins. Uh, because not only will you not get paid back, uh, you won't get any interest either. But, uh, you know, when you look at municipal bonds it, next to treasuries, which are directly obli a direct obligation to the U.S. government, so you have the highest you know, safety in, in terms of investment, 
you know, municipal bonds are right up there because of the many ways they can pay you back. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to a client of mine um, who's, who's doing really well for himself. And I was he was asking me if he had X amount of dollars, you know, how much would that produce an income? And I mentioned that. And he said, well, yeah, but the problem is I'm going to pay half in taxes. I said, no, you've got municipal bonds. I said, you'll probably take home 90% of that. And uh, I'll tell you what, that really made his Christmas. <laughs> there you go. I don't feel like we're getting anyone's Christmas this year with the, the market's volatility, but we'll take what we can get. Um, that's, that's a great point too. It's, and we say this every, every week on our show, it's not what you make, it's what you take. And it's such an important analysis because we're talking about annuities today where a lot of times the gains on that are at the highest tax bracket, um, you can possibly pay out. It's the most tax disadvantaged income you can possibly take in retirement. And meanwhile, too, a lot of the dividends that you receive, if you do it correctly are qualified, they're at lower rates than you pay an ordinary income. So, you know, looking at the tax picture is so huge and those little tweaks you make and you look at to optimize taxes makes just a huge difference long term. Um, and I think that for me, that would be my Christmas wish for everybody is they take advantage of those little tax tweaks because that's going to have a huge positive impact on their fin financial life long term. It's one of the best gifts you can give yourself. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, those tempted to hide out in cash until the market recovers should heed this finding from J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Over a 20-year period, missing the 10 best days in the stock market resulted in annualized returns that are roughly half what you would have gotten had you just stayed invested. That's 10 days, Bob. Over a 10-year period, that's not a lot of time. Well, as I always say, you know, investing is hard, right? Because it's counterintuitive. When things feel the worst, when it feels like it can't get any better, where the news is just so horrible, and you just think, well, you know, I can get a good return right now sitting in a money market fund or buying a treasury bond or bill for 30 days or 90 days, is exactly when the market will turn on a dime and have that rip-your-face-off rally. Uh, gosh, I remember back in 1982, hanging out with my buddies that I worked with at Merrill Lynch, and we were so depressed. The market was doing so horrible. It was going down for two years, and boom, in a four-month period, not only did we make back everything that lost, but it far exceeded where it, where it was. So it's, it, markets turn on a dime. You just don't know when that's going to happen, and it's why you got to stay diversified. Enjoy the dividends and the interest that are coming in. You're getting to redeploy them at good prices. You know, prices will improve. The market's going to turn. Don't know when, but it will. Well, you know, Dad, I'm going to do a kind of a turn of phrase or on something you've always said. I'd say don't sell out of a volatile market because eventually it's going to settle up. And I think that's the bottom line, right? It's it's eventually when it does settle, it's not going to settle down. Like you say, it's going to settle up. So in the meantime, you got to keep riding that, that rodeo bull because eventually it's going to go the right way, but you have to be in to enjoy it. Chris. Facebook Meta has a user average of 44 minutes a day. That's a lot of time on your phone. Whereas on TikTok, users spend an average of 92 minutes a day scrolling, far more than visitors to any other social media platform. And they're starting to bring in real money. This year, TikTok will likely hit more than $10 billion in revenue, up from just a billion two years ago. That's crazy growth, and that's a lot of time in front of your screen. Well, you know, there's always like 92 minutes of the day. I know I can't reach Ryan, so now I know where you are. You're browsing <laughs> TikTok. But, you know, it's interesting yeah. about that is that, you know, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube all have these short stories too. So, you know, I think TikTok's doing well, but my guess is uh, they're going to start seeing some stiff competition. I'm sorry, Chris, were you talking? I was scrolling on my phone. I didn't hear what you said. Uh. <laughs> 
All right, Bob, CB Insights, which maintains a global unicorn list, accounted for 1,200 private companies valued at more than a billion dollars as of early October. So that's what a unicorn is, a private company that's valued over a billion dollars. There are now more unicorns than there are $1 billion valuation companies listed on the NASDAQ. That's got to be a bubble. Hey, Rod, you know what? Yeah, you're right. That probably is a bubble. There's probably you know a couple of those the firms that are, that are valued in early October, they're probably valued at zero now, even though they're a billion-dollar company back in October. That's how things can change so rapidly. But it also goes to show you that you know you can never be comfortable, right? Yet, yet always only the paranoid survive. You know, as the chairman of Intel said once, uh, there's always companies out there growing, innovative, changing. They're disrupting. They want to eat your lunch. So that's why you can't just bet on one company. You've got to diversify your holdings, not only to benefit. Um, you know, from the great companies that are out there, but also to make room for the great companies that, that are going to be household names. We just don't know what they are right now. I'm sorry again, Bob. I missed that. I was scrolling on my phone. No, no, no. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, another another stat on that too is um, the vast majority of startup companies that are worth over a billion dollars were started by immigrants. So having a strong immigration policy is is critical to the future of America, especially with we have a uh, a slowing population. So something to think about. Chris, I learned that on TikTok. Just kidding. Chris, the Boeing 747 has retired. The jets still fly, but new ones won't be built. On Tuesday, about two weeks ago, the last 747 rolled off an Everett, Washington assembly line. Boeing announced a plan for the jumbo jet that could seat almost 500 passengers back in April of 1966. The plane entered commercial service in January 1970 with Pan Am, which... That doesn't exist anymore either. Well, as you guys know, I am a uh, aviation buff, and I remember the first time I ever saw a Boeing 747 was when I was nine years old, and uh, I was floored. And it's a really incredible aircraft. The oldest Boeing 747 flying today is 50 years old, so it just goes to show you, you know, how incredible these machines are and uh, the quality that goes into building them. I mean, they they brought international travel, made it affordable for the average person. So. You know, an incredible legacy. New technology, new uh, creative destruction is happening all the time, right? Whether we see it or not. Um, and I was talking to one of our favorite clients, Mike from Atlanta today, and he gave me a fun fact. So I thought I'd throw it out here on this show. And you guys can't Google this, but what color is a giraffe's tongue? It's black. Oh, you got it right. Did you know that? Yes. Well, there you go. It's black. Who would have guessed? Anyway, a little fun fact. Good one, Mikey. Shout, shout out to Mikey in Atlanta. Um, all right. Well, this is the last show of the year. We really thank you for your support. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, the reason we keep doing it is because of the support you give us. Give us that like. Give us that five-star ratings on iTunes. Give us a comment. Um, if you go to bbullish.com slash questions, you can submit your questions, topics we can talk about here on the show. If this is on Spotify, you can just subscribe to the channel. If this is on YouTube, you can subscribe, like this episode, click that notification bell. You can be updated every week of all our new content. We appreciate all of you. It's been a great year. We're really excited for 2023. We're going to come at you with some awesome content again. Everyone have happy holidays. Happy New Year. That's it. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. 
Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Pain Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.